I was preparing a sermon for a Church of England that's joined us, beautiful church in Dorridge. They've just, uh, in this last year, with a congregation of about 300, raised two million. And they built a brand new church. And I was there at the opening with the Bishop of Birmingham and they're part of OSL. And they, and they asked me to uh, preach in their new building, which I'm, I sat there last week and started doing the sermon. And they said this, do you want a free week? Which is stupid to ask me that, isn't it? Do you want a free week or do you want to do the, the, the lesson? Because, as you know, the Anglicans go through a lesson. I, I write a thought every day on Facebook and it's taken from the, uh, the lectionary. I read the Anglican prayer book each day. And I said, I'll, I'll take the lesson, not knowing what it was. And when I read it, it was from Mark 5, and which we all know and we'll read in a moment, not all the chapter, and it was dramatic. And as I'm writing it, the Lord said, well, make the most of it because you're preaching that at Stratford. <laughs> you know, in one chapter here, we get three incredible miracles that define Christianity. Because sometimes we abbreviate Christianity. What do I mean by that? Well, pray this prayer and you're a Christian. No, you're not. No, you shouldn't say that to people. It's part of a process. It's not the process. Well, just believe and you're saved. No, it isn't because belief is more than natural acceptance. It's spiritual perception. It's by faith. And belief and faith can be different. We can have human belief, but only godly faith. And it's more than how you start. It's how you finish. You know, Jesus said you ran well, but who hindered you? And if you put your hand to the plough and turn back, you were actually never equipped for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And the Bible says in the last days, many will give heed to seducing doctrines of demons, and for that reason they'll depart from the faith. Yeah. But then Jesus says something with great encouragement. But those who endure, yeah. who really sort of knuckle down. Yeah. See, anything in life is not free. I mean, when people say, you know, well... Christianity is free. No, it's not. We heard that in the communion today. It was the most costly gift we ever received. Yeah. You don't buy your own Christmas present. Well, that's a stupid thing you do if you're a dad, don't you? <laughs> I mean, you think about it. Your wife takes the money out of your bank account. She goes and buys a present from the kid. The kid gives it you. You get emotional. You'll never throw those socks away because the kid bought them. You and you bought them. <laughs> Could you be not clinical when it comes to Christmas, isn't it? Sort of, you know, what have I bought myself a pair of socks? I've got 200 already. <laughs> when your kids get older, like we went shopping yesterday, and my daughter said, Dad, you look such a scruff, I'm buying you a pullover. And she said, mind the, mind the escalator when you go up, and do you want to sit down, Dad? I think, my God, I've arrived, I've arrived. <laughs> my name's not Dave, now it's Jerry. <laughs> as in geriatric. But in this chapter 5 of Mark... There are three incredible miracles that touch what Christianity is about. The one we're going to major on, which is the demonic, and then there's the woman with the issue of blood, and then the one where a child had died. See, Christianity is not just spiritual. That's good me saying that, isn't it? It's not just spiritual. When God created us, he created us as a four-dimensional being. He gave us a mind. So when people turn around and say Christianity is mindless, no, it's mindful. Come, let us consider, let us reason together. Though my sins are as scarlet, they may be as white. 
See, Christianity, if you don't count the cost, the Bible says a foolish man builds and doesn't count the cost. To be a Christian, you have to turn around and say to yourself, is it worth it? Can I take the, the cost? Am I prepared to run the race? Am I prepared to keep the faith? Christianity is all about decision-making. Come, let us reason together. It's about emotions. That's our soullessness. See, when God made man, he said, you shall worship. See, somebody said, what's the greatest commandment? Because there were ten. And he said, this is the greatest commandment. You will. Now, when you say will, that's, that means decision. So when you get married and you say, I will, you're making a vow. Nobody makes you make that decision. You choose to make that decision. You choose to keep it or break it. You made a vow. A vow is a decision. You don't go into a vow lightly. And it says in the wedding, should not be entered into lightly, but reverently. And with thought and respect, not just through the urge or through the emotion or through sexual desires. He said you should consider it for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death us do part. Now we know some of you have not been able to run that race and we're not condemning you because we've had some tragedies in our lives so we're not here to condemn, we're just to say what the perfect is. Because we understand that life isn't as easy as that. It, it does get difficult, doesn't it? We all face that. But uh, you make those with your consciousness and then of course then there's with your body and Paul said I have to beat this into submission because it is full of weakness and sin. And even though my spirit has been born, again, my God-likeness, my God-image, because as we know, God is not like me, thank God. doesn't have a broken nose and walks slowly. In fact, our difficulty is that we tend to think God in, our, in, our, in an earthly term. There's no scripture that says we'll ever see the Father. There's no scripture that says we'll ever see the Holy Spirit because they are spirit. No man has ever seen God at any time save the Son. Now, the only person that we've already seen is Jesus because he was God incarnate, God as flesh, God as man. He yeah. came like us so that we could be like him. Amen. The him likeness is our spirit. Yeah. The our likeness is our flesh. Yeah. So Jesus came in the likeness of man, Emmanuel, God incarnate, God as man, so that we could become like God, sons of the living God, so that our dead spirit may be born again. Now, if we just tell people they need to be born again and you leave their mind and their body and their emotions out of it, we get a right mess in the church. And I've had 47 years of trying to map it, map it up because a lot of people are not fully born again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, spirit, mind, body, personality. And I give you another commandment because God can put as many as he wants. He doesn't stop at 10. He can bring 100 of them out if he wants to. Because he's God. And I give you another one. Love yourself. Oh my God, if that happened in the church, you'd have revival. Love yourself. How can we be a Christian and not like ourselves? I went through that. We'll talk about that in a moment if we've got time. I'm flowing at the moment. I'm not looking at my notes. It's dangerous. My wife will say, well done. And I use notes to control myself. But I don't get much chance to control myself nowadays. But the thing is that our spirit is dead to God. Our mind is corrupt towards God. Our emotions are self-centered. And our body is weak. And so Jesus said, I give you a commandment now. Not only must you love God and make that decision. You see, when you, you will love the Lord your God, will again. What's, what's the key word? Yeah, will. will. 
Which means you make a decision because love is not found in the emotions. It's good if it does. We were married 51 years in August. I tell my wife that is great because that's an American prison sentence for life, that is, isn't it? Look. In England, I'd have been out by now, wouldn't I, really? Or you would have been. But you see, there comes a time in those 51 years where life changes and you have to decide, does she still want to love me? Do I still want to love her? And do we, do we, have you ever had arguments? Well, we don't get many nowadays. We haven't got the energy. <laughs> but we used to have a monastic order. She'd fall out with me and not speak to me for a week. It was wonderful. I always thought I was a married monk. Spoke every three years. But then you decide, do I still, will I still love her? You have to decide that with God. What? Yeah, some days you don't feel like loving him. Some days you've prayed and things have gone wrong. you prayed your husband's died. you prayed your child's sick. you prayed you're bankrupt. And then you choose to love him in the middle of your bankruptcy. You choose to love him in the middle of your death. You choose to love him when they tell you you've got cancer. You choose to love him when everybody's prayed for you, but you've only got hours to live. And you don't know why you've not been healed when the person next to you has. You still love him because he's made a decision before time began, he'll always love you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. And God sent not his Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. Which that word might means there has to be a transaction for it to happen. It's not automatic. He didn't die for an instant immunity of all people who confesses his sin. He is faithful and just to forgive our sin. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all unrighteousness. I had a Roman Catholic text me this morning, first thing, I must come and see you. I feel I've, read, I've read about the judgment of God and my sins are so great, I feel I'm going to be sent to hell. I text back and said, come and see me, Roman Catholic guy. I said, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all unrighteousness. That's before I came here today. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And then you will love yourself. Hello? Some people are sitting here now, you've been Christians 40 years and you do not even like yourself ever. See, he doesn't say you should like yourself, you will love yourself. Sometimes my wife doesn't like me. Like shopping yesterday. Try these on, I am not trying those on. What's wrong with you? Because they won't fit. How do you know when they should try them on? Because I don't like them. You're terrible, you are. Well, why? You shouldn't have brought me out then. Well, you look scruffy. You've got to look smart for tomorrow to church. You need a new pair of trousers. These are a new pair of trousers, these are. Your old ones could walk there on their own. Oh, no, 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 they couldn't. She did not like me yesterday. I did not like her yesterday, actually. And my daughter was there, so there was two don't like yous. But I loved her. But I loved her. And the trouble is like is to do with what suits me. Love is what can I give you? And when God said I love you, it wasn't what you could do for him, it's what he could do for you. Isn't that wonderful? Because while I was still sinning, he died for me. So he loved me before I could love him back. He loved me before I knew him. He loved me before I was born, before the foundations of the world. He loved me. Whoa! He made that decision. 
and he stuck to it. Are you enjoying today? Yes. Can I come again? Yes. Oh, that's good. Hey, listen to this. <laughs> Get your diary out. <laughs> this is my first live preach this year. Next week, I'm preaching in the open air. The church has gone outside during the pandemic and have doubled in size. Preaching in the, in the marketplace next Sunday with umbrella and gloves on. You will love yourself. It's not an option. It's a command. You're sinning if you don't love yourself. They go and get all guilty on that now. You will love yourself. You see, if you've got a daughter or a son and you listen to them on the phone and you hear them phoning their friend crying, saying, I'm ugly, I'm horrible, I wish they'd never been born, how would you feel? Because they are what you made them because they have your distinctive personality and looks. So if they're ugly, you're ugly. If they're stupid, you're stupid. Break your heart. Do you think God sounds when he hears you saying, I'm nobody, I'm, a, I'm rubbish, I'm terrible? What do you think he feels? He died for you and he broke his heart hearing you call yourself rubbish because you come from him. You've got his DNA, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, meekness, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness. Those are the characters of the spirit. And if you haven't got those, you're not born again. If you are, then you've got those. So you're not rubbish, you're not ugly, and you're not horrible. Stop saying it because the devil laughs at you every time you say it. You will love yourself. So is it hard being a Christian at the moment? Pretty hard so far because you've got to love God with your heart, mind, soul and spirit and go love yourself. It gets worse. It gets worse, folks. You can leave now if you want to have a nice happy dinner. You'll love your neighbour. My God, not my neighbour. Yeah. Not the one who keeps playing his musical loud at night. You've got to love him. Yeah, but they, they, their garden's overgrown. You've got to love him. Their dog barks non-stop. You've got to love him. Get a cat, that'll solve it. gets worse so if you can't love yourself you can't go any further love those who despitefully use you doesn't say you be a doormat doesn't say let them constantly do it but he says love them don't get bitter don't get twisted don't walk away from life don't have a grudge love those who despitefully use you oh hang on once you've got that one there's still another Love your enemy. Those who actually want to kill you, destroy you. People who want to throw away your ministry, throw away your life, tell lies about you, cheat about you. See, it's an act of the will. Who says Christianity is easy? Well, just pray this prayer and you're a Christian. No, no, you're not, Ethel. Well, if you prayed the prayer, you've got to change. Still with me? More off for 10 minutes, I might get to me reading eventually. And then they came to the other side of the sea. Who knows that in God there's always another side? (laughs) The side that you think is rubbish and the side you think can't be done, God can always take you to another side. I love him. And he came to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he came out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had... He's dwelling amongst the tombs. And no one could bind him. Not even the hospital authorities or mental health. Nobody. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always... 
Night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, bless his heart, and self-harming. None of that about today. And when he saw Jesus from afar, listen to the compromise here. He came and worshipped him because inside everybody there's a desire to find something. However, his problem cried out. What are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to persecute us? Who knows the thing that's holding you doesn't like Jesus. The issues that you God tries to keep you away from him, from church. So every time you go through an issue, where's the last place you turn up? Church. Well, Pastor Dave, I, I don't want to be false. I'm going through difficult times at the moment. I thought I'd just stop at home. Oh, yes, I know. Because the problem in you doesn't want you here. Even though you would love to be here. Because inside every man and woman there's a desire to worship, but the problem inside everybody is a desire not to. But he said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, Legion. Why did he say that? Because it was the governance of the day. A legionnaire was over at least 100, maybe up to 1,000 people. Who knows how many problems this man had? Anybody know? Well, it tells you if you read on, 2,000. And we think we've got problems. 2,000 problems, because what happens now is, paraphrasing the reading, Jesus said, come out of this man. And they said, please don't send us out of the country. Let us enter the swine. And the Bible says there was about 2,000 swine that all ran into the sea and drowned. 2,000 issues. We've just sung about 1,000 praising. 2,000 issues, and Jesus said, that's not too big for me. So I am aware that we've got issues in this building today. Health issues, financial issues, relationship issues. Many of us have got issues. Well, by faith, I don't have issues. Grow up, wake up. We have issues every week, every day. I did a funeral last week for a 25-year-old, killed herself, leaving a, a seven, three, and a one-year-old. That's an issue. That's an issue. Turned away from hospital, mental health turned up two days after she was dead. That's an issue. I had to do that funeral. That was an issue. I'm doing one tomorrow, died of COVID. That's an issue. Don't let's pretend we don't have issues. By faith, I don't have an issue. Put your head out over, over the parapet and wait for them to be shot at. We have issues. It's how we deal with them. Yeah. And 2,000 came out. And the man, this is the key. This is the key. The man changed in three dimensions of his life, which involves the four. This is what Christianity is. And I'm going to talk about this for the last few minutes. Let me just read a few notes, because it would be good to have written them. I said, in this dramatic story, we see a man at the extreme of conflict and spiritual dom domination. He lived amongst the dead. And we're living in a society that do that now. And we do as well, to an extent. His community tried to restrain him. There's some good people out there who try to help people. Don't let's, yes, don't let's diminish it. We have some good doctors, some good nurses, we have good care workers and counsellors. But all they could do was restrict him. They couldn't restore him. I'm counselling somebody at the moment in the church who had a breakdown a year ago and they get on medication, which slows them down and stops them. It's not curing them. It's making them like zombies. 
And we're praying with them week after week. I've prayed for them now for 14 months. Every week I pray for them. Now they've actually come to my office to pray for. And we're going to keep on until they're whole because not being rude to mental health, they can't do a blind thing for them. They're restraining them by giving them slowing down drugs so they don't come under stress, but they're not curing them. And these communities were not being terrible by chaining him up because he was cutting himself. He was distraught day and night, was, so they chained him, and he broke the chains, they fettled him, and he broke the fetters because that's all they could do. Yeah. And today our health service are, are binding and holding people together. They've not got the time or the energy. Mm. We know all the problems we're trying to get to the general practice at the moment, trying to get a nurse, trying to get these appointments. We are, we are a nation in crisis. We're a world yeah. out of control. We've now become a global village. You know, the environment is, is beginning to wear out, and it will do. Yeah. But as a church, we should be telling people, it's in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. The earth will be consumed with fire. Yeah. And the environmentalists don't laugh at them because they don't know the answer. They know the question. They know the question. The question is, are we wearing out? Yes, we are. What's the answer? Jesus Christ, new heaven and new earth. Yeah. We don't tell them. We just sit there singing glory, glory, hallelujah, and the saints go marching in. Don't belittle these environmental people. They've seen the problem. They don't know the answer. True. We do. Amen. New heaven, new earth. But we were given responsibility for this earth and we've abused it. They were encouraged. That was destroying the man was fear. But that which was in the man wanted Jesus. And there's a world out there in Stratford that wants Jesus. Yes. They're not coming on a Sunday at the moment because they're frightened thinking that God's going to persecute them and judge them. A lot of people sitting out there, if there are a lot of Christians in here who won't come because they're judged, what do you think the non-Christians feel? <laughs> I'm not going to church to be told I'm going to hell. Well, of course, they will be going to hell, but we have to show them the reason they needn't go. Yeah. As Christians, we are light upon a hill. Amen. That's what they could see in Christ. Amen. We who once sat in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus is the light of the world. Yes. And darkness can't see light. You see, there's no speed of darkness, only speed of light. Yeah. When Jesus comes, he dispels darkness. Darkness only comes when light withdraws. There's only darkness in Stratford because the church withdraws. If the church becomes militant in Stratford, darkness will withdraw. Darkness cannot stand against light. Amen. You know, I walked into an old people's home. <laughs> in Cornwall, they were showing me around the church's old people's home. And as soon as I walked in, it was dinner time, and this 85-year-old man started snarling and growling. He was demon-possessed, and he recognised the light in me. You know, as a chaplain, I was in the chemo ward and I was each week talking to this Irish philosopher, reading all the deep histories of Ireland. And I had lovely conversations with him. And, you know, sometimes when you're older, you don't realise people can hear you when you speak loud. <laughs> and as I'm walking out the ward, he says to the sister, don't you just love him? He brings light into the place. Yeah. And you know, that must that touch me. Not, isn't he religious? Not, isn't he, does he know a lot about football? But doesn't he bring light into the place? And that's what we are. And that's what he saw in Jesus and the darkness in him cowered away. Mind, body, soul and spirit. We're called to love God with each part of our being. Our mind needs to be renewed. Philippians 2.5 Our body bringing under submission, 1 Corinthians 9.27 and our personality finds rest in my salvation, Psalm 62.1. Right, almost finished. 
He was found sitting at the feet of Jesus. To sit at somebody's feet means submission. Spiritually, we've got to be submissive to Christ. Amen. Remember when Jesus was preaching one day and Mary broke every protocol. She stopped preparing the dinner, sat with the men, which was unheard of, at the feet of Jesus, and Martha got really upset. Now think about this. Martha was working for Jesus. What was wrong with what Martha was doing? Nothing. She put all the food on. So when the meeting was over, all the disciples and Jesus ate. Thank God for people who do that. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, F. If all that's all your food, F, look at me. <laughs> I was 10 stone before I met you. <laughs> Get thee behind me, F. Of course, you do some great food, don't you? How come you're so thin? <laughs> I tried. You know I mean, eh? I don't know what happens there. God's given you a holy constitution, <laughs> don't you? Let's get back. Where was I? I've lost it. Who? Thank you. You're listening. She comes to Jesus and she said, how dare she? I'm serving for you in the food bank. I'm producing all the food for you. And she's sitting there listening to you. And he goes, Martha, Martha, shh, shh. There comes a time, Martha, when you have to put sitting at my feet above serving me. Shall I say that again? That's to come a time sometimes where you take time to sit at his feet rather than preaching, worshipping, stewarding. That doesn't mean you give up the ministry. It just means there's a time when you have to go, shh. I'm going to get more for the future by sitting at his feet than I am by cooking the dinner. Sometimes you've got to come out of the kitchen and get on your knees. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then he was clothed. He was naked before. So did Jesus go, clothes. Abracadabra. <laughs> now you see him, now you don't. Now the disciples, it cost them that to take their own garments off and give them to him. Cover up his nakedness. And many of you know from renewal days that when God convicted me, I wasn't preaching the whole gospel. He sent me to Matthew 25. I was hungry, you never fed me. I was thirsty, you never gave me to drink. I was naked, you never clothed me. I was in prison, you never visited me. I was in hospital, you didn't come to me. When did we not see that as you did the least of me? And we started this incredible food bank. And let me, I've only got a couple of minutes, but let me just tell you that, that how it started. I've never, I've never taken alcohol because I used to be a bouncer in a nightclub, cleaning the nightclubs out. I saw the result of drink. Christians can drink, there's nothing that says they can't. You mustn't be drunk. That's sin. But I chose not to because I was going to be an example to alcoholics. And the Lord said to me one day, will you ask all your leaders to refrain from drink? And if you do, I'll send you drunks into the church, but I can't send them into a church with drinks. And I said, it's not a command, it's a request. And the next week when I gave the altar call, there was six Alcoholics Anonymous on the front row. And they gave their lives to Christ. Amen. And the one of them, my mate, my mate, He's sitting at home, a new Christian. The Lord says to him, do a cheese sandwich, get your overcoat and a Mars bar and drive into Birmingham, into this car park, onto this floor, which is dark, and four pillars up, you'll find a man lying on the floor there. Give him the coat, the cheese sandwich and the Mars bar. And being a new Christian, he didn't sort of say, I'll pray about it for two weeks. 
ex-alcoholic, got in the car, drove there. The man was there. The man was frightened. He said, don't be frightened. He said, God has sent me to, sent me to give you this coat. Put it on because you're cold. There's your sandwich. It's his favourite sandwich and there's a Mars bar. He said, I said to the Lord, am I to preach to him? He said, no, you're only phase one of my, of my witness to him. Mm. You're not to preach him. You're to show him I love him. Mm. Clothed in his right mind. In his right mind. Sometimes you have to sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen. I was in business. I hadn't got any money to put on the table. I had nothing at all to feed my family with. And I, put, I was on the verge of pulling off a big pension scheme for a man in Stoke. Got a factory, Mr. Fox. But I always said I'd put God first. I'd always sit at his feet. And a children's charity, which has got poor kids, had asked me to go and do a week at a camp and it was the very week that he wanted me to do his pension scheme and I phoned him up and I said can I see you the week after no forget it he said so here I am now doing Jesus' work for nothing for wanton kids and I've just turned down enough money to keep me for a year and I don't know what to do about it so driving to Birmingham with no appointments at all driving around Birmingham just driving around the streets because I couldn't tell Molly I hadn't got any appointments so I just went out at 8 o'clock in the morning and came back at 4. Just sat in my car all day. And the Lord said to me, drive to Essex Street. I thought, where's Essex Street? So I'm driving around Birmingham, I can't find Essex Street. So I see a man walking down the street of her street. I get out of the car, I say, excuse me, sir, but do you know where Essex Street is? No, he said, I'm, I'm not from Birmingham, I'm from Stoke. Oh, well, that's interesting. I said, I should have been at Stoke last week to see a man about a pension. He said, a man from Birmingham should have come to see me about a pension last week. I said, are you Mr. Fox? He said, yes. I said, what are you doing for the next hour? He said, nothing. Let's go and have a coffee. I did the pension scheme. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Many of you know, because I know a lot of you here, I had five major phobias growing up, terrible phobias which today would have put me into mental health. Couldn't sleep in the dark, had to leave the light on. Couldn't get near animals, couldn't get near people, was acutely shy. All these things, dentists, doctors, all this. So I didn't love God with all my mind and my body without God doing something. Mm. And God set me free from all those things. Praise God. He will keep us in perfect peace. Amen. That mind is stayed. Yeah. Now stayed means you have to stick your feet in and yeah. it's not always sometimes you feel depressed. Well, Pastor Dave, am I sinning because I take tablets for my depression? No, you're not sinning. If God's going to heal you, you'll suddenly find the doctor will say you don't need it anymore. Yes, amen. I'm not one of these, I've prayed for hundreds who have been healed and I'm not always throw your tablets away. Don't go throwing your tablets down the toilet. The rats will eat them. <laughs> you'll have spiked out rats with their hairs up like this. <laughs> not suffering from heart trouble no if God heals you Jesus always sent them and said go see the priest yeah. and the priest was the doctor of the day yeah. and he'd give you a clean bill of health Amen. and then you could go back to your house so I think I've said enough or you won't have me again <laughs> so this man portrayed three things Christianity changes your spirit your circumstance yeah. your social and your mental attitude 
And the woman with the issue of blood had the same issues happened to her. She was socially rejected because of her bleeding. Financially, she was poor. And spiritually, she was lost. She was touched. And on the way there, they said, my daughter is dead. He raised her and said, feed her. God cares for you, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. If you love him in those areas, he'll care for you in those areas. Yeah. Just trust him now. Let's pray. Amen. Father God, thank you for today. Yes, old story, old message, ever true. You've never left us. You never will. Even though times, sometimes a storm, Paul says I've been shipwrecked three times in water overnight, more stripes than Jesus, rejected, abused. But in all these things, not for them, we don't thank God for those things. We don't thank God for cancer, for losing our loved ones. We don't thank God for heart trouble. We don't thank God for poverty. We don't thank God for that. But we thank God in them. Because there's a big difference. Yes. We don't thank God for a bad house. We thank God because we're in the bad house that you will supply one day. And he's yes. according to your riches, not with them. So I pray for these people here. If there's anybody here that's suffering, mind, body, soul and spirit, yes, they'll come to you now in our closing ministry, mm. and receive a touch of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Amen. Give the Lord a clap Amen. offering. Amen.